All right, today I'm going to talk about hallucinogens. And where have I been? Well, I've been in New York and Las Vegas at American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians meetings, and I've got some interviews coming up. They're very interesting. Uh, one of them is with Dr. Beal, who does a f- fantastic job injecting knees and hips and even uh, offering potentially surgical sparing procedures. So we're going to have that coming up, and then uh, Frank Falco and others. So it's going to be uh, worthwhile um, to stick around. I'm going to start throwing these uh, podcasts out now. Unfortunately, uh, going through security, uh, I've never had this happen before, but I had my backpack uh, along with my podcasting stuff, my tablet. And uh, they say, oh, you have a tablet in here. So they took the tablet out. Uh, They did not tell me, and so I lost my tablet. So I lost my computer last summer, lost my tablet, and the intro-outro music I have to redo. And that's not a problem. We'll get it done. So no music today, but we will talk about hallucinogens, and I'm going to briefly touch on the opioid epidemic and keep touching on it because I have some eh, fairly controversial comments to make about it, and I want to kind of tone the rhetoric down a bit. So... No one ever talks about hallucinogens, so I'm going to talk about hallucinogens. What are they? Well, it's alteration in thought, uh, mood, kind of perception, what's around you, and it uh, creates this autonomic uh, side effects. Uh, um, It can, like, make you want something, this kind of craving that we all say is, you know, synonymous with addiction. Not always, but usually. And it's failed to produce a real stupor or central sensitization, and that's what sets it apart. The other thing it does is it uh, causes this illusion stuff. It's hallucinogenic. Um, so um, according to Dr. Zarbo, and I'm referencing her uh, talk on this, uh, really good talk, um, it takes your senses and... It exaggerates what you're hearing and what you're feeling. And it it really tests what you see in the face of reality. And it varies depending on the drug and also your overall expectation. Expectation, what do you mean by expectation? Some people are so ready for this type of kind of fun um, uh, run down the rabbit hole to uh, anywhere. It could be Disney World. It could be Alice in Wonderland. But they want to they wanna experience something, and they tend to want to prime themselves. It doesn't always turn out good, but a lot of folks that like these hallucinogens, they expect something. And with hallucinogens, uh, they can turn a potentially bad dream into a good dream, by focusing on positive. That's not always true, and these drugs are not always pure, so you're, a lot of times you have no idea what you're getting, and that's the downside. Also a problem is the environment. People that have a chaotic environment or just, just a bizarre kind of lifestyle experience, they usually don't do well with the hallucinogens. They take them and say, I never want to do that again. In fact, I want to go back to my perks, my Roxy's, my pot or whatever, because their environment led them to a place they didn't want to be. And that 
that is a problem because uh, a bad, quote, dream can affect you for years. The um, older classic hallucinogens can be uh, serotonin agonists, and they're called serotonergic hallucinogens. And they can also be aralacomines. And there's two classes of those. Um, it doesn't really matter what they are, where they bind, but it's important that they're selective for the serotonin receptor. But not um, all uh, aralacomines are hallucinogenics. They tend to be stimulants, and they tend to induce uh, empathy. So, you know, you can have a very nice experience with them, kind of a serotonin high, worse in the central nervous system, and it just makes you feel good, nice and warm and fuzzy. So the effects of these uh, hallucinogens are like a tie-dye shirt. They alter shapes, colors, they do this thing called synesthesia. They feel like you have bugs on you and stuff like that. Alterations in mood. It can be just like, I feel great to anxiety, tension, bad uh, bad uh, dream. Uh, and you don't have any idea what time it is, or you, you don't even care what time it is. Some of these hallucinogens uh, f- find folks um, hours later staring at a wall and have done nothing else. You can't talk about it a lot of times. It, it almost disassociates you. It makes you feel like you're in a dream. You know, the typical stuff, any drug, you know, dizziness, weakness, nausea, drowsiness, etc. That's going to happen with these uh, drugs. And so the question is, what does this have to do with pain management? Because in this world we live in right now, people do things to escape. They don't want to necessarily be in the world they're in, particularly if they're in pain. Now, if they're in pain, but it it really has to do with a comorbid problem, like they have situational depression, anxiety, they have uh, mood disorders, they might have bipolar, they're going to want some type of escape. And they're going to hear and look at things, on, particularly on the Internet, and say, you know, I can escape for a few hours. I see this stuff. And I see it in weird ways. Places I see it the most are these bizarre findings I have on drug screens. Well, how did that get there? Well, it got there because uh, this individual just wasn't getting all they wanted out of an opioid or out of a benzodiazepine or out of whatever it is that they wanted. They're just they're looking for something else. So they'll try these drugs. And that's how it relates to pain management. Folks in pain tend to want to try all sorts of options. And it's not necessarily the pain they're treating. They're just plain self-medicating. And self-medication is a um, huge problem in pain and opioids and potential for harm and even overdose. So in this world we live in, we have to understand that uh, some of these out-of-the-box drugs uh, are utilized and to detriment. That's why in my practice, I see folks that are on opioids and, and they pop up cocaine every once in a while. What? You're 62 years old. Why do you have cocaine in you? Well, it just needed the lift. No, you needed the experience. And what you're doing is you're 
self-medicating, and that is something we have talked about. We have to respond to it. Typically, the old response to a pain management clinic is just throw them out. Well, that's so 90s. We can't do that anymore. What we have to do is we have to look at individuals as an entire um, package where you got to get them some kind of help because the problems that arise from folks that um, are desperate and that self-medicate like this is they can they tend to keep taking it places and they might eventually find heroin and heroin leads to other problems all right so how often do we see um hallucinogens uh, these uh, bizarre class of drugs show up well it's not that uncommon According to age 12 or older, NSDUH in 2013, of course, marijuana leads the way, followed by pills, pain pills, cocaine and heroin. Heroin has to be way ahead now. Um, I would probably put heroin at number three. Stimulants, tranquilizers. There it is, hallucinogens. So when you look at the big picture, it's six or seven down the line. That's impressive. You look around and uh, you may be driving on the highway with folks that are either taking excessive benzodiazepines, on opioids, marijuana, and they may be tripping out. So hallucinogens are not uncommon and they're easy to get. The stigma with the uh, hallucinogens is not as high as cocaine. It's not as high as heroin. So people... Look at it like a drug of no consequence when it is a drug of comp, um, of uh, consequence. So, um, you know, you know, think about it. Um, where do we think um, of treatment? Well, we think of treatment early on. When I see a hallucinogen show up in a drug screen, they're deep in it and they've got to get help. Um, it's not really growing. The use of hallucinogens isn't growing, but it's there and it can't be ignored. So uh, they've taken a couple steps. It's not a little red flag anymore. It's a, a big blasting firework in the sky. So that's what's really important is to get people help. All right, so I told you there's two different kinds of uh, these um, hallucinogens, the serous- serotonin agonist um, the, uh, the in psilocybin uh, people have heard of psilocybin um, and um, DMT uh, dimethyl uh, tritryptan in dimethyl uh, tri tryptam uh, tryptamine that's a tough one it's a, what what it is is naturally occurring and even toads have it on them it's rapid onset short duration you can inhale it inject it be taken or orally, but the thing is, this this drug is easy to get, especially in underdeveloped countries, and as a kind of spiritual drug. So uh, the American Indians uh, sometimes use psilocybin, uh, and uh, I'm sure other cultures. And it's it's short acting; it doesn't cause that intense problem that we see with this class of drugs. And traditionally, this has been used in some type of brew. Um, and it's been used from the Amazon through our uh, Native American culture. 
And actually, it was legalized <laughs> for the Native Americans in the U.S., and that's fine. I mean, it's part of their culture, and um, if it's been responsibly used for a thousand years, um, the thing about hallucinogens is uh, the uh, lethal dose is really not the issue that we see with so many other drugs like vis-a-vis heroin. I will make a comment about uh, psilocybin. Uh, it really causes this kind of this disconnection, and it can lead to panic attack and psychosis, um, like LSD. You know, it's shrooms, it's mushrooms, and uh, it's been used for years and years, but this is the one that gets people thinking they have seen a spiritual moment, even to the point of some people being in the belief that they must do something or act, and acting can be even... Uh, a criminal event, or it could be taking one's own life by thinking they can fly, that sort of thing. So psilocybin uh, is one that uh, we respect because of its potential uh, lethality. And it's in mushrooms, and how easy is mushrooms to manufacture? As a sidebar, I'm just going to say that there is some literature, if you go to PubMed, um, that folks with cancer, um, they use these drugs to benefit because it reduces anxiety and it helps with some depression in some people. So there's reports out there that. So that's um, just a little sidebar. If this would be like medicinal marijuana of the uh, era that we're in, Maybe psilocybin will eventually be used in cancer. It'll be a while. Okay, enter the big one, uh, LSD. That's lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD. It's called acid. It's very, very potent. It's naturally occurring um, only in the laboratory. So it came around in 1938. Albert Hoffman synthesized it, and they... thought it had all this great potential little crystals and um, you could put it little on a paper you could put it in cubes of sugar and you can make little squares out of it well in this day and age it's schedule one drug there's just no medical use for it and um, so what people are doing is they're just getting high on this drug and they're trying to um, get that uh, special feeling, that uh, psychic uh, feeling of uh, potential and uh, spatial perception. And it, it comes on fast. It peaks about four hours, but its duration is long. It can go 12 hours, and a lot of damage can be done uh, in those 12 hours with this drug because it's so freaking potent. Usual uh, offenders, nausea, vomiting, blurred vision, dizziness. But this is the one, because it's so potent, if somebody's really on a borderline uh, psychiatric disease, this one will will tip them over. And that's why LSD is uh, a drug that is uh, uh, one we respond to, and we make sure that uh, it's not available. They get away from that crowd. Tends to be a little bit younger folks that use this drug. Uh, older folks have uh, less desire to have their life upside down. But uh, for those adventure seekers, uh, it's 
an incredible high form, and they love it. Most people with psychiatric disease don't do well with this. Other hallucinogens you might have heard about, mescaline, peyote, analogs, they really uh, push norepinephrine. They also they have a serotonin effect, but they push norepinephrine, so they kind of get people up. They come from uh, a cactus, peyote cactus. There's these little tiny buttons on the cactus, and the Native Americans uh, use it, and it's legalized within them. And they have, <clears throat> have a pretty... Uh, mild visual hallucination and uh, it lasts about 5 or 10 hours comes on pretty fast the the best thing about this is as far as I can see in the readings it it isn't something that people do on a regular basis like they don't seek it do it every day like pot smokers want to well I've seen 11 joints a day uh, in some pot smokers and there's a productive individual these people do it more ceremonial and they do it with a little more defined legitimacy. All right, I'm going to come close to wrapping this up, but I, I don't want to wrap this up unless I talk a little bit about uh, ecstasy. That's MDMA. Uh, it's a stimulant. Uh, it makes you feel very empathic. People just hug and carry on, and it has similar effects of cocaine and LSD. It has this uh, feeling of well-being associated, and it can be hallucinogenic, uh, there's another type, MDA, that is very similar to MDMA or ecstasy, and it does a lot like that, but it's a little more hallucinogenic. The point being is there's a lot of overlap between the pure hallucinogenic similar drugs to MDMA, uh, to the empathy and stimulant effect. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, cross-interaction if you look at it. It's... Um, Hard to say this is a standalone drug. It's like a Venn diagram. And that's the trouble with hallucinogens. As we get more sophisticated in our chemistry, we're going to see uh, probably real uh, designer uh, drugs where they pick out the best part of the hallucinogen and get rid of the, the other stuff, like the 1938 LSD. We don't need it anymore. Let's, uh, let's jump forward here. Okay, the... Downside of these drugs are the flashbacks. You may have heard about those. It doesn't have anything to do with the number of exposures or the dose because it's the person. It probably has a genetic predisposition, an environmental one. But these people re-experience some of the symptoms, and uh, those flashbacks can be terrifying. And it can come with about anything. Somebody's sitting around having a couple cocktails, and they get a trigger, off they go. It goes away after a couple hours, but... Um, during the or a couple of years, but during those couple of years, little doubt uh, there was always a concern. Uh, when's it next? All right, I hope that was helpful. Uh, I'm going to uh, look at all these different classes eventually and start reintroducing some of the uh, fun interviews I've had. And I um, have a a good one I want to do on the CDC guidelines, kind of an update for everybody, and my take on the opioid epidemic. And I don't uh, kind of buy all this. I think there's some numbers we need to look at to put it all in perspective. A little bit of media hysteria. I know there's problems out there, absolutely. But as always, perception is not always reality. All right, so come, thanks for coming by. And uh, please, uh, if you wouldn't mind 
leaving some comments uh, at iTunes. It helps me rank. And to you folks that have done that, thank you so much. Great, kind words. And it just keeps me going. And it really does help you rank. Even one, <laughs> it, should, it popped you up. Um, and uh, I'm expanding into a different platform so that as I post one, one doesn't get eliminated. And I will um, tell you where you can find all of the extra ones that have been published, even some of the early awful ones. Uh, And some of the early ones were pretty good interviews. I'd I'd like to have them back. So um, we'll get you you up to speed there. And uh, once again, if you uh, uh, want anything to uh, be talked about, go to paininformation.com. Happy to interact with you there, and I um, had a great email uh, this week. I'll I'll touch on it as well. I'll try to get this iPad thing figured out. Thanks for coming, and I'll see you soon.